All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, once again, uh, here we're here with the podcast, and uh, that's Anthony. I'm Steve. Amanda will be long be along in a few minutes. Um, we did have a special guest lined up, but they had to cancel at the last minute due to work commitments. Uh, so uh, we'll keep you in suspense and hopefully have them with us in February. So uh, hopefully we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. We'll give you a preview of what that's going to be like. Uh, so our next show will be uh, Monday, February 6th. All right. Um, the first thing up for tonight that we wanted to kind of talk about a little bit is – China, at the very end of 2016, announced that they were going to implement a ban on the ivory trade and processing activities that would make all of those things illegal by the end of 2017. And, uh, Anthony, this is big news in the conservation world and really means a lot for the survival of elephants and, and rhinos. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. I'm um, obviously I like to see laws in place for for you know obvious reasons, but um, are they really going to enforce it? I his, China's in some ways done better enforcing certain things than Japan, who continues to whale, you know, does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I. I think it's a good starting point. I think it's a. I think in some ways it's an. It might be an easier one to outlaw than some of the, you know, than than some of the, uh, you know, other illegal wildlife trade of the live turtles and tortoises to start with. Anyway, because um, we all know China is a big destination for uh, black market wild caught animals. Um, but I think this might be an easier place to start if they're really going to try nipping things in the bud. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, yeah, I think. Anytime you can have things in place, obviously the pros uh, for conservation far outweigh the cons. You still wonder about things like whether or not they'll still be enforced or, and I hate to start off the show, uh, the first show in, in 2017 with being a pessimist, being cynical, but, uh, but you know, here goes. And uh, the other thing, of course, is, is <laughs> when laws get put into place and then that puts more pressure onto wildlife because it becomes even more difficult to to get that thing or it's or it's officially more rare um obviously ivory was already pretty uh well sought after and i don't know if this will like with some of the turtle species that aren't really well known and then all of a sudden they get described and then they immediately get protected and you know called critically endangered then it yeah. seems everybody wants them more but uh ivory obviously those animals are super rare already and Maybe it doesn't change anything. Hopefully it doesn't change anything. Who knows? Uh, who knows uh, what type of intricacies are you know, <laughs> not yet known with how this will uh, unfold over time. But hopefully it's for the better. Right. And I, I think it's reasonable to you know, question um, how uh, well they'll necessarily enforce it. But given that they're not just trying to make it happen immediately, in some ways might actually um, be a good thing because it sounds like they want to take some time to develop the appropriate, um, the appropriate infrastructure to make sure they can handle actually banning it by the end of the year. Um, and and it sounds like uh, China actually um, backed the the sites resolution on ivory at the last meeting in October, which um, is is was unex- in some ways unexpected. Uh, they supposedly surprised um, other meeting attendees with the strength of their support for a ban. So um, you know, I think this was a is something that's definitely was. Uh, in some ways unexpected. Uh, it sounds like some folks even believed that um, the Chinese government wanted to, to have an even stronger resolution than the one sites came up with. So um, this is like new ground for China. Uh, so I still think it's big news. And, you know, it's especially to, to kind of finish off 2016, um, which had, you know, its shares of ups and downs from the conservation world ending on this note was I think a big plus. Now Steve is talking about sites, and is that is that how you pronounce it? I w- I've always thought and have heard it pronounced CITES. Uh, I'm not well. It's an acronym either way. Yeah, right. So I'm it, the Convention on the International Trade of Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna mm-hmm. is the 
full name. So sites, the acronym sites doesn't even cover the full, right. The full name of the, uh, you know, of the group to begin with. So, so just so everyone knows that's, that's the international, uh, agreement that endangered animals that are covered by this legislation or whatever you want to call it. Um, this law will, they cannot be trans, um, they cannot be transported <clears throat> internationally from one country to another without proper documentation. Um, some can't really be transported at all. Um, it's, and, an, it's an agreement between countries like the right. United and, Nations almost, but for animals. An important note, though, participating countries. Now, granted, yeah. a lot of countries participate, but not everybody's a participant. Um so, uh, oh, and I, it turns out I missed a word. It's the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. So I forgot the word wild. There you go. There you but, go. Well, that's cool. So we wanted to start with that because we, we were looking at, you know, what we could possibly talk about for, for tonight. Um, it's the first show in 2017. There's a lot to be excited about. There's also a lot to be scared uh, in regards to looking forward, and uh, there's a lot to be thankful for, uh, for what had happened in 2016. So uh, obviously that new information from China is, is exciting and noteworthy, so we wanted to start there. Um, I also wanted to show this, Steve, if that's okay. This is, yeah, go for it. That's the cover of uh, Reptiles Magazine. What, what month is that? What months now? They, they do this um, bi-monthly now, so it's only six issues per year. This is the November, December 2016. So we ended the year here with the Burmese star tortoise, which is cool. Everybody loves the Burmese star tortoise. If, if you don't have it, you want to have it. If you have it, you're happy you have it. But uh, what was so cool about this one is this is this is Chris Leone's article, our very own, the Turtle Room's own Chris Leone, who we've had on the show and who we work really closely with. He's one of the best guys in the in the hobby in the turtle world. He really is one of the sweetest guys ever. And you never see turtles or tortoises on the cover, ever. Uh, it happens I don't know maybe once every couple of years. And now with the magazine only being every six months. Um, Chris so, has gotten a few covers. Yes, he has. He also got the cover. Did he get the cover with the Western Hermans? It might have been. I can't remember. 2012-ish, I think. But at that point, it was it was monthly, too. So you had 12 chances in a year to get a turtle tortoise on the cover. But, um, yeah, I say only in, in the last five years, maybe it's been like a handful of times. So um, this is really cool also because this is his photo. Um, sometimes the articles will be written by an author and, and the, so like when I had a reptiles article published, my first, uh, the first page was like a stock photo that was like purchased or something. It wasn't my photo, one of my photos that I sent. So I think it's really cool that not only did he get the article in the magazine, but his photos also on the cover. So he got the cover story and the, the cover shot as well, which is really cool because, you know, turtles and tortoises need all the press they can get especially in on a platform as large as reptiles. So um, I thought that was really cool. I'm happy for Chris. He deserves it. And um, it's a nice article if anyone wants to pick it up. I got mine at Petco the other day because I let my, I let my uh, subscription lapse recently. I basically just keep the subscription so I can make sure I get all of Chris's articles and other people who, who, is, who is writing I want to make sure I see. Yeah. Um... Yeah, definitely a great way to continue to build um, awareness about some of these animals. Um, so, you know, one of the things we plan to do tonight is just kind of talk about, I don't know, just a recap of some 2016 things. So if there's an important story you think we should mention tonight, um, feel free to drop a uh, comment in the live chat window. Um, you know, uh, we had you know mentioned uh, before the show about the platy sternum confiscation, but we hammered on that in at least two different shows. Um, so we figured we'd skip by that one again. Um, but there's your little reminder that that event happened in uh, 2016. Um, and Steve, Steve is so smart. I, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep uh, kind of. I don't know. Um, paraphrasing what he's saying, uh, or trying to put it in different words. 
and he, when he says platy sternon, he's talking about the Chinese big-headed <laughs> turtle. That uh, there was a huge confiscation of roughly 800 uh, animals that were were confiscated, um, obviously being smuggled. So really, really big story, a really scary story, and um, a lot of groups have kind of jumped to aid in that situation. So um, the big-headed turtle. Sorry, Steve. That's okay. You know, I always I tend to lean uh, scientific names to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, speaking of which, for those of you that frequent um, any of the forums, there's been a conversation going on over the past couple weeks about the pronunciation of Latin, uh, specifically relating to taxonomic names uh, mm -hmm. that you might find interesting there, you know, if you want to learn more about pronouncing, you know, certain taxonomy. Yeah, I, I, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to get in, into it a little bit, Steve, because um, I like to consider myself, uh, you know, smarter than the average bear. Barely, barely, might I add. Hey, Babu, how would you like a picnic basket? This is some, that was really good. Thank you. <laughs> this is something that I cannot do though at all. Um, I try, and I try to, you know, I try to put my best, like general and uh, you know, basic knowledge towards it, and just kind of be smart and and kind of guess make educated guesses up to, as to how something might be pronounced. But the difficult thing with these scientific names is that they are Latin, but so many of the words are derivative of, you know, different languages and um, different well, things. It really gets tough. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be a turtle, for instance, or, or any animal that's scientific name. It's, it's named after a, a German researcher, and then it has an I at the end, and it's supposed to now be... Latin, where German and Latin do not really jive very well together, you know what I mean? So um, I think that's a big... Uh, Spengler E. Right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. One of my favorite species is, is, is an example of that. Uh, welcome to the show, Amanda. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late again. I live in Atlanta. Sue me. It's like always traffic. Oh. Fashionably late. That's okay. Yeah, of course, of course. So, what did I miss? Well, we mentioned we start talked a little bit about the ivory trade. Steve oh. just told me he hates me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. And already. if you believe that, we've got uh, swampland <laughs> in Brooklyn to sell you. <laughs> oh. Those are called well, sewers. Yeah. Swamps in Brooklyn are called sewers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know. I've never been to Brooklyn. So That's funny. Could, I like um, Brooklyn. Convince me anything. Is that where the Prospect Zoo is? Prospect Park, I believe so, yes. So that's the, that's the zoo that's the, is, that's the only zoo that breeds uh, big-headed turtles that we were just talking about. I oh, really? Zoo, yes. Be, yeah, and then the, the Turtle Survival Center, TSA's Turtle Survival right. Center, and then one, one private individual who we all know and love. Random. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Random bits of knowledge. That's what I'm good for. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of a random zoo. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, and I've never been. I've they been were like Brooklyn. big on. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny how they all have like, they all have zoos, like the Bronx, the Brooklyn, the... Yeah, there's a zoo in all five of the boroughs, all run by the WCS. That's kind of crazy. It's cool. Our yeah, uh, good yeah. friend Lonnie McCaskill is the director of Prospect Park these days. He's a turtle guy. So, oh, cool. Uh, oh, okay. That makes sense then. Big things from them on turtle conservation. So. Awesome. That's always good to have a, have a turtle person in the, in the background of places that have such awesome resources that can get – so much more than the private keeper and accomplish like so much more because it's just a big huge vat of like knowledge and resources and like awesome uh enclosures and like it's just awesome so that's good damn straight, damn straight. yeah 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 john actually the guy who you guys have seen on the podcast the podcast in the past he actually lived in brooklyn for a really long time and I don't even think he made it to the Prospect Park, so I kept telling him, you need to go. You need to go and see the big-headed turtles, and I don't think he was able to get over there. But, you know, things are hectic, and mm -hmm. a lot of hustle and bustle in New York City. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. 
but. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I've only driven through and it's just like, keep going, please. I don't want to stop. <laughs> no, we're not stopping. Ugh. <laughs> I drive through all the time. It's always by accident. I always have the different, worst. I always have different <laughs> plans and then somehow mm-hmm. all roads lead there. And if you take a wrong yeah. turn, you will end up there no matter a what. A part of me like kind of wants to go there someday without a car, like, because I feel like driving there is just like ruins everything. And maybe, maybe I'm just not really a city person, but like perhaps if you just walked around and saw the sites, it would be like cool or something. I don't know. I'm right. just trying to be a normal person. I don't know. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're trying to be optimistic. It's a new year. Yeah. It's 2017 and you're trying to be optimistic. I don't blame you. That's exactly. Okay. I just always, the thing with me is like, I always want to go to places like on vacation specifically for the herping. That's the only thing. So I'm like, if I can't herp mm-hmm. there, it's not on the list. Like if mm-hmm. it has to be like a compromise of like, yeah, we can go see all that stuff. But like at one point herping. So obviously that's why I haven't been to New York city yet. It's cause like, <laughs> well, like so now I have that incentive of going to the prospect zoo is that what it's called the prospect park prospect zoo? Park. Prospect park. Yeah. yeah now I have that so there we go there you go yeah mm-hmm. you could also look for the Italian wall lizards that we talked about was that in the last podcast I think that was is that a thing yeah they're, that. they're like an inter- introduced species that that was two two pond casts ago. yes it was before is this a joke is this a joke no no this isn't a joke they're they're an, an introduced species that like lives in New York City. Yeah, like I think I think in Brooklyn. Is it the Bronx? It might be the Bronx. That's a real lizard. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's from that's yeah. That's from, like from Europe and introduced. Wow, wow, yeah. that makes sense. I guess that they're if they're from Europe. Yeah, they're in Connecticut too. I guess. So oh, it's a pretty interesting cool. story. I, I yeah, I like interesting stories which is usually what um, is necessary mm-hmm. to get me reading about lizards because they're right. not turtles. They're not turtles. <laughs> Here they are. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that one picture up on the upper right is like, that's the one that I saw. It's just Ooh. That red thing's awesome. I know. I wouldn't even be that mad if that was an invasive species where, like, back in Massachusetts, I was, like, dying to find some kind of lizard because there's, mm-hmm. like, you know, hardly anything. And then I come to Georgia and there's like lizards everywhere. And it's like just incredible. So I kind of, maybe I I would be sad about the environmental impacts or whatever, but I'd be kind of like, Oh, okay, that's cool. If we're going to have an invasive, might as well be this and not like a, like a stupid thing. I don't know. There's a lot of weird invasive species that aren't even like (laughs) worth like starlings and stuff. Like they're just not even that cool. Do you know why those starlings and stuff are invasive? And like those other birds? Yeah. No idea. So, like, apparently there's this guy that, this is, like, I only have bits and pieces of the story, but apparently there's this guy a long time ago who wanted to bring every single species of bird that was ever mentioned in a Shakespeare work to the United States because he just thought that would bring a lot of culture uh, to the States, and he just released them. And then now we have, like, all these tons of, like, European invasive species here because of that. So get going. <laughs> what a romantic. I love it. I know. <laughs> his heart really was in the right place, but his head was I somewhere guess. else. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are weird. <laughs> oh, poor guy. That's mm-hmm. too bad. I was going to say, be careful. You started calling animals stupid and stuff like that. We got a lot of tree huggers that watch this show. We have to be careful. Oh, oh you wow. know me. A lot of animal <laughs> lovers. Like, oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, I hate animals. I'm just kidding. You guys know me. No, I know. It's, I like one of those, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you love them so much that you're like, you allow yourself to call them stupid because you love them that much, you know? Yeah. Like your brother or something. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you get where I'm coming from. I get where you're coming from. I was just, <laughs> the way that I wrap my head around it too is just, as soon as I started to think it, like, is the readier slider, which obviously is everybody's best friend. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That you can't get oh, you of. know what? You are probably just giving me a warning based on your experience, weren't you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I not at all. I, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no, but yeah, the red ear slider, like that's obviously everyone's best friend that you can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. It's just that the people love. They're not stupid at all. Yeah. Or talk to anybody in Australia about cane toads. Oh my god. If there was right. ever somebody who hated something, oh. 
They're like, oh, here we call them golf balls. I'm like, why? Why do you call them golf balls? They're like, oh, you know. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, Amanda. <laughs> I know. I just am like, oh, come on. <laughs> At first, I was like, why would they call them golf balls? They're so much bigger than golf balls. I know. Oh, yeah. got it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got it. They they have their own means of extermination over there. <laughs> Just like some people call little dogs footballs. I know. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Womp Speaking womp. of invasive species, I saw a really cool picture. Um, some of my friends were herping in the Everglades, and they saw an American alligator eating like a 15-foot Burmese python, and they got pictures of it. And it was oh, really yes, cool. I saw that. It was really cool and like it was just nice to see that like maybe there aren't maybe there are some natural predators for for these guys down in the Everglades. It's pretty cool, you know. Like every once in a while you'll you'll see nature kind of fighting back, which is pretty cool. And I could go into it with like feral cats and hawks and stuff, but I won't make any cat lovers angry because I have cats too. I don't hate cats, but invasive species, you know how it goes. But I thought that was really cool. It was a cool Steve's picture. Getting Steve's getting upset. I have cats. I have cats. I have cats. They're, they don't call them. They don't call them invasive, though. They call them feral cats. Is there a reason for that? Is it because they're domesticated animals? Right. That then become wild well, again. They're invasive, though. They're yeah, invasive. They are, but they're, it's but they're called feral because they're domesticated cats mm-hmm. that have then gone wild. That's where the so term feral comes from. Exactly. That's why feral pigs is also the term mm-hmm. because they're the they used to be domesticated you know farm pigs Mm -hmm. exactly exactly feral and invasive are not synonyms nor antonyms they're not they don't contradict Mm -hmm. each other something could be feral feral... and invasive at the same time Mm -hmm. theoretically right right right. like you could have a feral dog but doesn't mean that there's a population that's invasive or like a feral i guess hamster but you know the guy got out but he didn't end up becoming this huge problem right Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Right. I wonder about that. I just think, you know, um, I wonder, obviously human, the human idea of any animal determines how it survives in the world these days. Either Mm -hmm. we decide we want to kill them off or we decide to not pay attention to the fact that we're killing them off or just our very existence. Or we're very passionate about the fact that people are killing them, you know? Well, like, there's there's animals that just our very existence, like subsidized predators, they they boom because, you know, because of our garbage or because of mm-hmm. our our housing or whatever, like rats yeah. and raccoons and stuff raccoons. like that. So mm-hmm. that, that's why I wonder, like, and, and also the four inch law with turtles, right? So mm-hmm. when you have a small turtle, a kid puts it in its mouth, it goes poo poo like any animal <laughs> would. I think if Godzilla put me in its mouth, I'd go poo poo too. And mm-hmm. um, so then they get outlawed under four inches. But really, any animal can do that. And my dog, if my daughter decides to go eat dog poop, then mm-hmm. my dog could be responsible for outbreak of salmonella or E. coli or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you never hear that. So if, it, if And it's because, like, dogs are man's best friend. We almost don't even mm-hmm. see them as a pet or as an animal. They're just part of the family. So yeah. when, a, when a dog bites, when there's countless dog bites, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But you know one snake yeah so i wonder about that too and i think of that's why i I really root for the burmese python to not do well because it's bad for all reptile lovers Mm -hmm. um -hmm. and for the environment you know a a really place so i wonder though about that like when we call them feral if if we're if we're looking at it in a different (laughs) way obviously naturalists know cats and dogs feral cats and dogs and even pigs Mm -hmm. and other things uh, goats are a real issue in certain areas. Yeah, you have to are, take your heart out of it. Are they making all of the invasive animal lists, and are they seen like like by by important decision makers as a, a big issue? I know um, the way cats are killing wildlife has been starting to you know creep up a little bit more uh, in general. Um, especially as certain species head towards extinction. Mm -hmm. And that actually reminded me of this thing I saw. Um, There's this new-ish fence system where you could – it actually can contain your cat in your yard, and the cat Mm -hmm. can't get over it. And so I was actually going to show that up over here real quick since I thought it was really kind of cool how this works. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So watch this cat try to leap over this fence. But it's got these spinning things on the top of it so he can't actually grab on and go over. Mm -hmm. oh. So you can let the cat roam outside without letting him out of your yard to go kill all the local wildlife. That's mm -hmm. so wonderful. Well, if people actually decided to be responsible and had the money to do something like that. I know. I hope they do. I really do. You know, because it's like, yeah, it's, it's just about their, you know, priorities and, and having your heart in, in a situation. You know, there's like so many people who, despite the fact that not only, you know, the cats are, are really are really troubling wildlife and actually creating these, these horrible situations. Yeah. It's not in the U S yet either. It's uh, mm -hmm. it was started in Australia, which is one of the countries with the worst cat problem. Mm -hmm. Actually, mm -hmm. it's also Steve available in Europe and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Steve, and can I ask you a question? Do you know, do you know how many um, states or countries have at this point have outlawed radio sliders? I'm not sure what that number is. Massachusetts, I know there's, for a fact. At least a half dozen states. Um, I know there's got to be several countries. Florida? Countries that won't let them come in. They don't get rid of the ones that are there. But Right. Florida, Florida did, except for morphs, I thought. Yes. Um, I saw something about that Europe did, like, like just Europe in general. Yeah, yeah, they you? did. I saw that. Yeah. 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 So... so yeah, the yeah the European Union. So so, my point with that is just to finish up, just to close out that point is, the radar slider, which has kind of been seen, and now I'll play it up all the time because radar sliders are an issue. They're the biggest issue as far as an invasive turtle is right. Mm -hmm. So they're a big deal for us, and they're they're widely kept as pets, and they're not good a good species to have as a pet for the majority of people and, and majority of situations. So we harp on it all the time. But if you're going to compare readier sliders to cats and the damage that can be done or dogs or whatever, goats, and you're going to say that that, okay. that species is outlawed, there's that right there is a perfect illustration of... A biased. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Human bias based on based on what we see as important, what we see as part of the family, and what we see as kind of icky and creepy crawly. And I'm sure snake people talk about this all the time. Oh yeah, all the time. Like there's not yeah. even uh, like you know there's leash laws for dogs. Like my dogs, they can't go out wherever they want. And to be completely honest, I wouldn't want my dogs or my cats to go wherever they want. I would be scared for them. But there's not any laws at all like anywhere that tell you that you cannot have your pet cat out at all. There's nothing that, that <coughs> controls that. And so, and, and as a vet tech, this is just kind of coming from my heart. There are so many cats that come into my clinic that have diseases that have been hurt by other cats that have been hit by cars that have caught, caught all these horrible things because they go outside. So mm -hmm. it's just so much for the bet. It's like, so it's so beneficial to keep your cats inside on so many levels for so many different for the cat for you for the populations of wildlife and yet there's no laws there's no nothing because why you know it's, it's just bias we you know we we i don't know i really can't explain it i can't but i hope that you know people I, i've saw i've seen more traction and more articles coming out about the effects of cats and more products like this this fence but i've also seen collars that have tons of bells and crazy stuff on them to make your cats stand out so that they cannot successfully stalk prey um and i've seen uh, a lot of other stuff similar to that where it just makes it, it harder for your cats to kill things um so i mean it's 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 better than nothing i guess and and it's it's uh it's a start for sure but it's it's definitely i actually read this really great book and it was like i, I totally forget the the exact title but it was like we some we kill some we eat or some we hate some we eat and some we love or something like that yeah. it had to be something with like um just like the way that we see different animals i mean we'll love our dogs and cherish them and i like buy my dogs clothes and birthday cakes mm -hmm. and stuff and then i'm a vegetarian but like the normal human being will you know be petting their dog and eating a cheeseburger and talking about how much they hate snakes it's like but they're all animals we just have this crazy bias over them <laughs> um, and uh just the Oh, I'd argue that love and and have as a pet, I mean, mm -hmm. love and eat, I mean, I'd argue that love mm -hmm. and eat are not mutually exclusive. What do you mean? I love pigs. Your pet? 
No, I'm saying love. <laughs> and you, 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 you separated everything into three categories. You either hate it, you eat it, or you love it. Yeah, I argue that right. those, those categories can overlap. Right, right. So like, like you instance, hate it, you eat it. When I got my dogs, I love them. Now I hate them and I'm planning to eat them. So that's all three in one. <laughs> that's all three in one right there. And oh my God. <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> it's like a chain reaction. Right, right, yeah. I know. It evolves I've done that over before. time. <laughs> yeah. It's a complicated relationship. Oh, it evolves that's over time. That's so funny. No, what I was going to say, it's interesting. This is actually something I was doing this weekend. Um, I was out educating with my snakes and people were just like, does it ever bite you? Oh God, what do you do? And I'm like, well, first of all, this is like just a small snake and yeah, he bites me and it's just a pinprick. And to be quite honest with you, I would rather be bit by basically any species of snake that was under 10 feet and non-venomous any day over being bit by a dog. And people are just like, Oh yeah, I guess it is worse to get bit by a dog. I mean, duh, like even a chihuahua, I've been bit by chihuahuas and they've nearly sent me to the hospital. They just, they have horrible teeth, big, big teeth. I would much rather be bit by a snake any day. And, yeah. uh, and it's just, people don't really think about it. And then it clicks in their minds. They're like, Oh yeah, I guess we just don't think about, about cause people are like, why isn't it biting you? And I'm like, because this is my pet. Like, cause he doesn't bite all the time. Why? It's not like people stop you in the street and are like, why isn't that dog biting you right now? It's like, because he's my pet. He's just, that's not, I mean, he could bite me if I piss him off, but he's not, he's just, you know, it's just, people don't, don't have that correlation to snakes until you remind them that it's, it's, you know, dogs bite too. Anything with a mouth bites, you know? So I don't know. But it always sounds like, yeah. 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 But it's, it's good to go ahead, please. I was just going to say, it's good to bring the the dogs into it because everybody's got dogs. Most people have dogs. They're like, Oh yeah. 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 So it's, and it goes back. uh, there's an example that I won't use that we talk about in social work all the time, necessarily. It's probably not good. It's probably not uh, PC, but so anyway, while I waste our time, I think if, if I was a snake person, um, advocate for like, like us arc or whatever, use arc or whatever it's called to, <laughs> to, kind of advocate for snake keeping and captivity and that sort of thing. I would, I would point to that a hundred percent of the time. And the fact that when a kid gets a 10 year old kid gets sent to the hospital with wounds from a dog bite that it doesn't even matter. It might not even make the local news, but if somebody got injured by a snake that, you know, a snake being kept captive, then mm-hmm. that's that would definitely be news. That would be oh, national wow. news. Yeah, yep. you'll mm-hmm. at least see it on you know internet article or something like that. So oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't tell me that no one's been killed by dogs in the time that those two boys were um, allegedly killed by the um, the rock python. Rock python, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I just. That was how many years ago? Three years ago, and I still see and things. People about are me. still dwelling. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, "Aren't you scared that you're gonna like get killed in the night?" Because I have a reticulated python, and he's—I mean, he's not even an, uh, an adult yet, but obviously, I'm gonna uh, planning on keeping him even when he's like, you know, ten, fifteen feet long. And um, people are like, "Aren't you afraid? Like, what would that happen to those kids?" And like, blah blah blah. And I'm just always like, I have dogs too, and I'm not—I'm not afraid of of them, you know. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, totally. Right. Right. So one other thing we wanted to talk about, um, and I love Amanda, you're the best. You're not scared of snakes. We love you for it. I I wouldn't want to have a retic in my house just because that's a lot, that's a lot of space and a lot of, a lot to, a lot to wrestle. Although I guess that would be fun. Anyway, um, (laughs) moving along, we wanted to talk about, um, a list and Steve, I don't know if you can pull it up or not, but I've got it already here. So for 2000, as we usher ourselves into 2017, we wanted to talk about this list of species that have gone extinct in 2016, um, as we obviously exit that year and kind of look back and see what, we, um, what we've lost. And I, what I found really interesting in this is, is a lot of the species were not uh, listed as being extinct 
in 2016. So when you see that title, you think, okay, these animals we lost this year. But really, it's just when he's reporting on them because the sad thing and, and the very common thing with animal extinctions is we don't actually know when we can kind of put our finger on like when they actually disappeared, when the last Rab's tree frog actually took its last breath, which is actually one that we do know probably because there's probably not any left in the wild and that last one was in captivity. But um, this, this article lists tigers in Cambodia as going extinct um, this year, but the last ones were seen in 2007. So he's just listing them this year. They haven't necessarily gone extinct this year. Well, uh, see, and what what uh, science means by gone extinct, too, is you have to do a pretty thorough search to mm. declare it. So just because the mm. last one was seen in 2007, in this case, like, we have no idea when it went extinct. What these me- what this list is are, are essentially animals that were declared extinct in 2016, thanks to published works on, or, you know, on studies that were done, mm-hmm. and on thorough studies that were done. Um, some quick background, by the way, on the guy who publishes this. He does it um, pretty much every year on his blog. Uh, you can see this at livingalongsidewildlife.com, and he, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at alongside wild um his name's david steen and he's actually a really big snake advocate he's a reptile guy he's an ecology um he's an assistant research professor of wildlife ecology and conservation at auburn in alabama um and as you can see from his you know twitter banner here he's a big snake guy um really does a great job of um educating people through social media specifically about snakes he's holding a turtle in his picture what what is it um uh, no it's it's uh oh, no. it's a blandings. blandings oh it is yeah yeah, from way far away. It looks. Right, he is a reptile guy, but his specialty is is definitely snakes. Um, he and, I've, uh, he and I have talked a little bit about turtle stuff on Twitter from time to time. But anywho, that's so cool. That's I was, kind of the background of this list. I was intrigued by the fact that he has those four snake photos up up top. I thought that was really cool, and I figured there was something behind it. So I'm happy you actually knew that. <laughs> I didn't great. find anything in my research um, that showed me anything. Um. But uh, he did have another, um, another. I assume that the Barbados racer is is a snake. Um, yes, it is. Which had mm-hmm. not been seen since 1963. So again, that's another example of something that you would not be able to actually pinpoint when it went extinct, but is being listed on this 2016 list. Um, so it's it's rare when we actually, and this is part of the problem when you're a conservationist and you're trying to get the word out about things that are happening in the world. Um, it's not, these are not sexy topics. These are not interesting topics necessarily to a lot of people and they're really difficult to prove and to pinpoint the time. So you can't actually say, Hey, this just happened. You have to conduct this huge study and then say, Oh yeah, this happened at some point in the last 40 years. It's not, it's, it's not as, uh, um, kind of, Noteworthy as the Rab's the Rab's tree frog that that went extinct with the last one dying in captivity, or Lonesome George, or what will happen when uh, the uh, giant um, soft shells from Vietnam go extinct as well. Yes, mm-hmm. Swin Hawaii. Right. Um, Did I pronounce that wrong? How would you pronounce that? Uh, again, Swin it depends. On which which school of Latin do you want? <laughs> see well, which, that's what's so cool about you he actually knows Latin. Yeah. That's really cool is yeah i pff, which school of latin do i want there's different schools what which school there's, did you go there are there are four pronunciate ways to pronounce latin uh for whatever reason the name of the fourth one always slips in my mind it's southern something or other um then you've got what is cl- you've got classical latin which is, you know, like old school Latin. Um, you've got ecclesiastical Latin, which is also known as Northern Church Latin. It's probably the closest thing to classical Latin, but it's, you know, got some differences in it. Um, but if you think of like really strict Latin mass, that's, you know, ecclesi- 
ecclesiastical Latin is what you'd find there. And then there's Anglican Latin or what's called traditional English Latin or something like that. Um, those two, ecclesiastical and traditional English, um, are probably the most two commonly used for taxonomic pronunciations. Um, the problem with the species you're talking about, I believe the species name is connected to somebody's name, but I'm not sure about that. What we'd need to do is figure out how that name is actually pronounced in its original language. Mm -hmm. And then the I on the end means the E sound comes at the end of the word in, uh, in uh, ecclesiastical Latin, or the I sound that you're a fan of is the anglicized <laughs> Latin. I've always loved anglicized Latin. That's the reason why I use that. Same here. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we could go on about Latin. I could, anyway, I could go on about Latin for a while. But so um, uh, where were we before the Latin thing? Oh, yeah. Animals well, going extinct. I wanted to skip to, if you don't mind, that um, graphic that oh. many of us have seen on Facebook. If you could pull okay. that up. Um, I, I was actually going to mention one other thing on this sure. list, particularly this uh, the San Cristobal vermilion flycatcher. Sure. Um, wasn't, hasn't been seen since 1987, and it was declared extinct this year. However, the reason it was declared extinct this year and not sooner is mainly because we didn't even realize it was its own species until very recently. Um, this line kind of points to that. Interestingly, we did not know it was a species until after it was gone. Um, so basically, we determined it was a species through uh, museum specimens. That's sad. Mm -hmm. It sucks. <clears throat> the Galapagos still needing to be discovered so many years after yep. Darwin. Yeah. So here's that other graphic. And it's popped around Facebook. and um, It's beautiful. It's beautifully done. I think it's great. Oh, it, yeah, great, great graphic, but more research should have gone into this. Um, so after this had been posted on Facebook, um, and, uh, you know, Anthony had was like, hey, there's this graphic. And he was like, well, let's use this. And I was like, well, you know, this conversation happened on Facebook then um, through well, a sure. number of us who, you know, have like a passion for conservation of animals. And so through the combined intelligence of several people on Facebook, um, <clears throat> so the South China tiger here um, is no longer even considered to be a species or a subspecies. It's just part of another tiger. So we can't even really list it anymore, and they exist. Um, <clears throat> we've got um, – the uh, let's go to the turtle. The Arakan forest turtle has definitely been seen in the wild recently. Um, not sure why they wrote no longer found in the wild here. No mm. idea. Um, they clearly didn't do enough editing because I think this um, I think this picture or this graphic was created relatively recently and isn't really all that old. Mm. Um, so we've got uh, the Guam rail here. There are at least two small populations in existence and they've actually been part of a reintroduction effort um, thanks to AZA species survival plans. Um, so over the last uh, five or so years, they've been starting to be reintroduced. Um, they're on Cocos Island, on Guam, and Rita, which is another island out there in the Pacific. Um, Let's see. Um, somebody confirmed that their dad has seen pygmy rabbits because they work in in Colombia, where they're native to. Uh, so they're Ooh. not actually extinct. Um, uh, no citation, but somebody else commented that Ant or Adelopus nene is not extinct, still in the wild. Um, this one they got wrong the opposite way. Um, Edward's pheasant hasn't been seen in the wild since 2000, and recent surveys suggest that this species may actually be extinct in the wild. Um, so still some stuff to do there. Um, oh, and this one has, has a good citation. Per David's deer was extinct 30-plus um, years ago, and through reintroduction efforts has a population that's that – broke over 2500 12 years ago so i wonder if these if they were talking loosely and were like species that had ever been extinct so if you talk about like the guam rail and and pierre david's deer that have been 
that have been released again and populations have come back. I mean, right, but then, but the graphic should say 13 critically endangered species, not 13 species no longer found in the wild or something. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, based on their caption, you know, this graphic's all off, mm-hmm. which they could have avoided. Um, oh, and there was uh, the uh, horned oryx. Um, they're not doing great, but, um, uh, <laughs> the more but you know. they've been... They've been uh, part of reintroduction (laughs) efforts as well in the African country of Chad. That's really funny. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the 13 species on the graphic probably have a different status than what's mentioned here. Yeah, I'm actually like double checking the Panamanian golden frog too. I feel like they are. I, I feel like there might still be some out there. Well, they were the um, one, they were um, one of the species that was being wiped out in the wild, right. like, like Rab's Kiss tree it. frog. Yeah. Right. So I this is all relatively like recent. <laughs> so they haven't been found in recent years because of this, because of this disease that, sure. that, that is thought to have wiped them out. But I mean, oh, yeah. how, they breed how like well, jackets. Right. How well could you um, have checked? those wild spaces for this right. tiny little frog in that time. Uh-huh. I feel like, okay, I feel like they're, yeah, they haven't seen them out there in a while. So yeah, they're, they're, they're critically endangered, but they're, they're thought to be, um, yeah. right. So, right. And obviously 13 species critically endangered, functionally extinct or extinct is a bit long of a title for a poster, but I think they still could have been a, a far more accurate than 13 species no longer found in the wild because yeah. some of these are definitely found in the wild. And, and as a result of successful conservation efforts, they're found in the wild. So some of these yeah. things, we shouldn't be like going, because they're no right. longer yeah. out. We should be like celebrating conservation. You need to tap. It works. It works. Keep, yeah. keep supporting it because it works. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. So again, I'm not entirely certain how old this graphic is. But it's, uh, I think it's recent because it certainly started popping around Facebook recently, it, and I don't recall it has seeing to be, it before. It has to be just a few months old because it lists the Rab's frog as extinct. As extinct, right. He just went extinct. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting. If nothing else, I mean, the thought that I had with it when Steve and I were discussing it before the show is, you know when we look at something like that we take it at face value it's really nice production value the photos are beautiful obviously the photo arc has taken some of the most beautiful photos tour is, fin- is a phenomenal yeah. photographer yeah yes. and it's just an incredible project really and the, yeah the project is so amazing right right but but we look at it and we say oh wow okay and and as a turtle guy i saw it and i looked at Yosemite's depressa the arkin forest turtle which is listed there which is right in the middle of the poster and i had questions about that i'm like oh I should have known if they were never, if they weren't found in the wild anymore, like I should have known mm-hmm. that I was surprised. I was surprised right. that that was the first I was hearing of it. I mean, I knew they were like that rare that they might, right. that if you went out on an expedition for them or you, you spent four months in the field, maybe you wouldn't find them, but not that they were actually declared like you will not find it in the wild anymore. And mm-hmm. um, so, so that caused a little, you know, cause for curiosity around that. But then when Steve and I started to talk about it and he already had all this knowledge about some of the um, reaction to the poster, I thought, wow, this is really interesting and such a, a unique and, and like rewarding conversation to be a part of. And I think that we, we don't do enough of that. So I, I encourage everyone to kind of, to, to be curious and to mm-hmm. use that curiosity to fuel your research mm-hmm. and, and to kind of, to know as much as you can, because we are, you know, we are the ambassadors and the advocates Absolutely. for the species. Right. If, and if yeah. the more knowledge we have, the more effectively we can do that. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? And if, if you can't find out the answer, dude, ask us, if we don't know the answer, we'll find out the answer. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, anybody else. The, There's the, just that. The more connections you develop, the easier you can find out answers from knowledgeable people. We don't have yeah. all the answers, but we certainly don't know where how to look at this point. So if you need help looking, we'll gladly help you find answers. That's yeah. True. Or, I mean, like, you know, um, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about producing 
uh, really trusted and legible and in, in, in correct information. Like there's one thing to, to want to just kind of embellish a little bit or maybe just not fully do your research because of the, the almost like scare factor of that. Like a great example of that was that I was horrified to see a few months ago an article that was blowing up about how the Great Barrier Reef was declared dead, completely 100% dead. I'm like, um, uh, hi, hello, um, no, no, it's not. It's like definitely not. Like, yeah, the Great Barrier Reef is is under an extreme amount of pressure due to rising temperatures in the ocean because coral does not do well with extreme heat and it stresses and bleaches. That's where you see all that coral bleaching, uh, which is a huge phenomenon. It's it's really, really wiping out coral reefs. And the Great Barrier Reef is no exception. It's, it's currently under a lot of stress. And yeah, it is, did you find it? <clears throat> so that um, article that was going around was like, okay, hi, scientists declare the Great Barrier Reef is now dead. And that was completely inaccurate. And yet I saw it blowing up on Facebook, tons of people, see, this is what humans do. And like on the one hand, it was a decent, I mean, I guess it was a, it was like an eye opener. It was like, wow, humans are definitely headed in that direction. And the Great Barrier Reef is definitely threatened and uh it's a huge it, coral reefs are extremely extremely important to our oceans and to us uh you know because of course we couldn't survive without our oceans productivity so we can't lose these coral reefs so it's an important message to drive home it really is but scaring people with inaccurate information is not the way to do it at all so you right. know these people are freaking out scrambling <laughs> and thinking that this is all the all hope is is lost when that's not the case at all uh, and so I was just so horrified to see that and and hopefully the article has been fixed or taken down but it was it was viral and I was like oh no that's that's not the case at mm -hmm. all you know so. Yeah, I, I spoke about this on our new, and I, I want to—I'll use this as an opportunity to plug. In 2017, well, actually, starting in December 2016, we started a new uh, World Turtle News video um, program. Uh, every month, we're going to have a news program on YouTube, so stay tuned for that. We have another, our second episode that's starting now. And we're very excited about it um, as kind of an offset of the World Turtle News that we've been doing for. Uh, how long have we been doing the World Turtle News, Steve? This was year two. This was year two, so now we're on to year three. That's amazing. Yeah. So well, a lot yeah, of people enjoy it. Uh, the, third, the second it's its second full year will complete at the end of February. We started on February twenty eighth. Wonderful! Wow. That's twenty fifteen. So we're about to go into actual year three. That's yeah. amazing. So if you don't subscribe, <laughs> subscribe. Steve, tell them how they could subscribe. Uh, several ways you can, there's a newsletter form at the bottom of our website. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, there is a button that says sign up, hit that sign up button. Uh, it takes you to the form where you can sign up as well. Um, that's awesome. Um, and so this graphic, uh, let me just explain some of the math involved in these statistics in this graphic. All right. So everybody's actually understanding what they're seeing. And this is one of the things that can be scary. We see this red area. It says an average of 67% dead, and it says range of 47 to 83% dead. But then there's this little asterisk next to the word range for all of these things. And so if we look down at the bottom right-hand corner, it says upper and lower quartiles. All right. <clears throat> so what this means is they took a lot of samples in this red area of the reef. Okay. So they took a lot of different samples. Those samples ranged from everything from 0% dead to 100% dead in theory, okay? This range is the upper and lower quartiles, which is 25 to 75%. So essentially the middle 50% of this chunk is 47 to 83% dead. There is 25% of this is less than 47% dead, and 25% of it is greater than 83% dead. But so this, this is like a lot of stacking of percentages on top of percentages. Mm. So that's, but they use the sample to say it's on average 67% dead because that's kind of the median of all the samples they took in the red area. Right. Orange area is kind of the same. Of all the samples they took in the orange area, the average of those samples was 26% dead. Mm -hmm. Right. 
just finding a way to put a numeric a numeric value on it right right but it's important to understand that the range this range isn't Every isn't they were only the, all the samples were between eleven and thirty five because it says this range is the upper and lower quartiles, which is the what we call the intraquartile range when we're talking about um, measures of of tendency like this. So that's actually just the middle chunk. There were samples that had less and more of more mm -hmm. percentage dead, but we're talking about the bulk of it in the middle. Right. So it's not actually sixty seven percent of that area that's dead. Right, on average, 67% of that area is dead based mm -hmm. on the samples that were taken. But there right. are certain places yeah. where it might be all dead, and there's certain places where barely any of it's dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. right, but as you can see here, the south, they didn't even include the range of all their samples here in the south, only 1% of, mm -hmm. of the reef was dead. Here in the central, mm -hmm. an average of only 6%. That's really not that big of a deal. The range mm -hmm. was only 2 to 17. Um, this means basic. Uh, what this actually means, because this 17 is the 75% mark, this means 75% of this is less than 17% dead, which means 75% of it is 83% or more alive, which means mm -hmm. it's still doing really, really well. You're such an optimist today. What's going on? <clears throat> No, it's important to be optimistic, and I'm, I really am so, so thrilled that you had the mathematical knowledge to actually explain that because <laughs> it, it is something that I understand, but it's not something I can, I could, no, I can't do anything like that. Um, I'm still scratching my head about why I got like a B in statistics a couple of semesters ago. I like have no idea why that happened, but um, it's that's a, such a great way to put it, and. It's it's not a cause for us to be like, oh, cool, all right, then I don't have to worry. Let's just keep burning carbon emissions and let's just keep, you know, like just keep destroying the planet. Then it's there's still definitely a reason to be concerned and uh, and definitely a reason to to keep fighting for it. But that's the exact reason that we should feel like we can keep fighting is because there's so much left worth fighting for. It's not. It's not a lost cause by any means. In fact, it's like a little tiny bullet wound that we can very easily repair with the right knowledge and optimism, which is great. So I'm glad that we that I brought that up, that we went over that. That's great. Right, and anyway. I, I, I'll, I'll make, if, if I could continue to try to make my tie in and apologize, I apologize for, for laboring through this, but the reason I was bringing up the news is there was a story that I brought up in the news, which will be out very soon um the new the new episode about a, a story where the title and it's it's kind of like like when i think about it i think of youtube as the place and mm -hmm. i've been guilty of it too not as bad as some of the stuff that we see necessarily but um <clears throat> like where yeah yeah exactly clickbait where you're, where you're you're putting something up there so that people will will kind of take a look and and mm -hmm. i see this as that and it's and it's unfortunate because we want to reach as many people as we can to get our message out there. Mm -hmm. And Steve and I have this conversation. We've been having it for years and years. And he's so good about stopping me when I start to put clickbait out there because mm -hmm. I want people to see it. I want now the, the videos themselves that we put out, we really try not to make them too um, like lacking where, where, you know, we try to put in really good information and we try to be really fair and appropriate and everything else. But every once in a while, you try to pick a flashy title just to get some clicks so that you can actually get your information out there. You spend all this time researching something and working with a certain species or working on a project or whatever. And then you put all the time into making the video or writing the article or whatever it is. And then you put it out there and you want people to see it. Some of our best videos with the most appropriate titles get like 12 views. So part of it is the public and what they click into and what they want. Uh, a huge part of it and then you know we need to always be towing the line between being appropriate and you know being um, kind of doing what we can to try mm -hmm. to get people interested in the subject as well so just yeah. something I wanted to throw out there um, make that connection because when you guys watch our new news episode you'll see that mm -hmm. it is a fine fine line and like 
just because I have so much experience with like friends who are YouTubers and everything, I've known people that like used to say, oh, I I'll never do that. And now I, I like cringe at their their titles, you know, they'll, it'll just, you know, it'll just be like, man gets eaten alive by a giant snake and it's blood everywhere. And it's like, you click on the video and it's like, no, this is not like you meant, you know, it's like, this isn't what you started this for. This, that's exactly what you are trying to combat. And it's, and it's just, I see it all the time in the snake world. Cause I'm a part of the snake community too. Like people are just, constantly like this blood everywhere the snake has bit me and just watch the video to find out if i live and then it's like snakes don't bite but it's like no like th that was totally yeah. no you know it's so yeah thank you for doing that that is that is awesome uh, damien kinchin <laughs> on on the live chat window just mentioned how he thinks that um everyone uses clickbait um and he says some he doesn't think is that bad but he brought up brave wilderness which is a very popular channel on YouTube that has to do with animals. And they do something that I think is really interesting uh, that always catches my eye, which is when they actually um, use like Photoshop to make custom thumbnails for the videos that are not mm -hmm. like, you know. I see a lot of people doing that, yeah. Yeah, where, where it's not actually what's happening in the video. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's tons with like large alligator snapping turtles that look like they're five times the size of a yeah. Yeah. adult woman or something like that and then you I see you know, that all the time yeah 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 so that's another one that kind of, that kind of gets under my skin a little bit and that's something i wouldn't do mm -hmm. but um you know i might pose behind the alligator snapper to make it look bigger but make it an actual mm -hmm. photograph and not photoshop it mm -hmm. and i'm a big guy so it's losing it's a losing battle every time i want to show how big a turtle yeah. i'm in the picture with so absolutely anyway just saying mm-hmm that's awesome it's good it's good that we're going that route because i see a lot of a lot of people who are successful without doing it you know yeah so. i don't know what successful is or not but mm -hmm. i mean i guess it's just a lot of views or something or uh, or you're just getting through you getting through to people i don't know i mean I see the thing that I, I me and and my boyfriend both get get discouraged sometimes watching like the um the the people uh on YouTube that like make so much money and they have like this whole livelihood and like they really you know like don't produce qual like quality work or they just put like kind of silly stuff out there and it's like gosh I wish I could offer something that people would be interested in like if I had a dollar for every view that a video titled like Spider-Man versus Superman, like hypothetical, who would win fight, like these just crazy videos like that. And it's just like somebody talking about who would win in a fight against, you know, it's just like stuff like that. I'm like, ah, oh, like anybody could do this. And they have like millions of views, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. You know? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people. Um, I, I think again, I think it's the public too. I think it's what we want to watch, and I don't think, mm -hmm. I I think there are tons of people that want good content and educational content and everything else. But it's it's been killing me lately because we have a um, a, a, a video about an alligator where I went in Gatorland. I went into Chester's enclosure. Um, Chester's a huge alligator who was taken there mm -hmm. because he was eating like neighborhood dogs, and he was brought there like a couple. That's of awesome. Ago. It's yeah. a, it's the coolest story, really, and and he would have been killed as a nuisance alligator, but he was brought to Gatorland, and they have him in his own his own enclosure. And if you've gone to Gatorland or other places, they have these large areas, but they're just packed with gators, big gators, and they you know a lot of them have wounds on on you know um, on their snout and things, and it's it's really um, it's really unfortunate to see. But then Chester gets his own, which is which is really cool, and when when you're actually there, it's like wow, this this guy has kind of got his own thing going on this is this is nice and he's pretty big he's he's pretty big and he's pretty you know immobile mm -hmm. so i put a video mm -hmm. of, of him up and they're riling him up a little bit and and it's probably like the video was just like an afterthought but i got the footage and i'm like you know what this will probably do pretty well on youtube whatever throw it up there and I probably wasn't as careful with it as I want to be because that's not like what we do. And it kind of bothers me a little bit now because it's our most popular video. And it just uh -huh. goes to show that we've done 265 videos and the vast majority of them have been educational 
they've taken thought they've and now the production value is not always good sometimes it's better than others and and sometimes it's relatively bad but we try to put out things that are educational and and you know constructive and uh you know backed by science in some way or knowledge or research or whatever that like we're putting something out there that's true and, and all of that and then here's this video that's that's just kind of as far as we're concerned has gone viral for us which it hasn't gone viral at all but it's a relative term for us it's a relative yeah. term. exactly exactly <laughs> you know as you want to be excited because it's like oh wow someone's finally watching our stuff but it's it's the it's the worst video we've ever done, and with the worst topic and yeah. you know a clickbaity title, and it's just mm -hmm. it goes to show you, out of two hundred and sixty six videos, two hundred sixty five, whatever we're at, that that's what mm -hmm. we want to see, and um, it's unfortunate. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. All we can do is just keep getting our low view counts and putting out stuff that we know is good and that we'd want to watch and that mm -hmm. we think matters and will help save species or help educate. People and well, the, the more that people learn about the turtle room and, and 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 consider us a source for turtle information, the more they're going to seek us out on YouTube. I mean, I know for a fact mm -hmm. that when I first learned about the turtle room, I was on YouTube looking at your channel, like, what is there that I can learn more about mm -hmm. turtles from? You know, because like mm -hmm. I just the name, you just put the name in the search bar, so it has a lot. To do with that that name too you know and i think that as the years go by i know that 2016 was an awesome year for the turtle room and 2016 is going to be or 2000, 2017 i see i'm doing that thing where i can't write it um but i can't say it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be another great year you know it's only going to go up so that's right. that's good. something to look forward to <laughs> right right mm -hmm. so yeah so i think that's a good place to kind of call it a call it a show we, we wanted to talk about things that we were you know that were noteworthy for 2016 we kind of did that we wanted to look ahead to 2017 we kind of did that and now mm -hmm. amanda brought us right back full circle so what do you say steve sounds, <laughs> sounds good to me sounds good steve's uh, relaxing already he's ready to go yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so we've got um we still have count this year's calendars for sale um you still have uh, more than 11 and a half months to use them. It's got lots of great photos. Uh, through the end of February, the Turtle Survival Alliance still gets $2 donation from every calendar. So, um, you know, sell those. We would love if you would sell those out. They help support us, they help support the TSA. Uh, Anthony, here, let me make sure you can see Anthony's poking one up here on the screen for you to see. Still wrapped in the shrink wrap, even. All Smells right. so good. Smells good. Yeah, they do. They smell mm -hmm. fresh and printed, um, and they are shrink wrapped and with a cardboard insert for safety during shipping. So you get a nice calendar that doesn't have beat up corners. Um, smell like chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's called ink, Anthony. <laughs> uh, smell like chemicals. Um, oh, so, uh, lots of lots of cool stuff on the horizons for 2017. I think uh, just keep watching. Uh, as we kind of uh, get things rolling here, and we hope to have a, another great guest uh, on February 6th for this our smells, next episode. This smells like a Brooklyn swamp. Uh, That's circle. not going to sell calendars, Anthony. We're not supposed to go for, full circle that way. These are that these are turtle people. They like swamps. I like swamps. <laughs> I, I'll be the first to admit that even they smell sometimes. There's just that one swamp smell that ugh, I don't like. I'm doing my, my turtle calendar post. So from nice. the swamp, apparently, instead of the pond, this is the Pine Podcast signing off. That's Amanda. That's Anthony. I'm Steve. Buy a calendar and support turtle conservation in 2017. Woo!